Hello, adventurers, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 14 of the World of Azuria podcast. My name is Beth Ball, and I'm the author of the Age of Azuria epic fantasy series, which we'll be exploring in this show. In some episodes, we'll be swept away into the magical world of Azuria as I read chapters from the novels and stories. In others, we'll dive into the lore behind Azuria, and I'll answer your questions about the world, characters, and more. If you enjoy epic fantasy worlds, immersive settings, nature-based magic, and vivid characters, then this podcast is for you. In our second season, we're traveling through Buried Heroes, book one in the Age of Azuria series. Today's episode returns us to Genevieve's storyline across the infinite ocean from Eeliath and Kaldara. When last we saw her in chapter 8, episode 10, a pack of werewolves attacked Genevieve's druid conclave, killing everyone else. With Yvain's help, Genevieve escaped into the forest, and that's where we find her today. But briefly before then, I wanted to take a moment to say a special thank you to those of you who have left a rating or review of the podcast. That means so much to me. If your podcast app supports ratings and or reviews, please take a moment to share what you enjoy about the show. And if you have a friend who enjoys epic fantasy adventures, be sure to share it with them as well. To discover what happens next before new episodes are released every Tuesday, you can find Buried Heroes for free at bethballbooks.com shop or at your favorite book retailer. Let's start our adventure. Genevieve traversed the moonlit trail more nimbly than she'd ever moved in the forest before. Each member of her community knew the hallowed wood well, though, in most cases, they did not journey more than a few hours toward its center. Their lorekeepers rejoiced to speak of the forest origins, what had once been the sacred burial ground of the ancient elves, lost in a great war that spanned the entire region and beyond. They mustn't tread too far for fear of disturbing the resting place of these spirits. As they grew older, Genevieve and her peers came to recognize these stories as a way of preventing children from getting lost in the forest, which would force their minders to beseech the tree's help to find them. But on this night, in the mystical path's silver glow, this understanding changed. As the searing memory of cries of agony faded behind her, waiting for its moment to return, the whispers of the forest spirits came alive. Each branch she brushed, every leaf that wept against the soft covering of her shoes, brought back the lorekeeper's stories. Only the strongest of our faith seek out the forest's heart, they had said. And Yvain, the woman who had mysteriously appeared, had assigned this sacred task to her. Genevieve's pace slowed as the adrenaline ran its course. A catch in her shoulder from the bite and the shock of the still-wet wound spurred her on occasionally, but her feet began to drag as she ventured deeper. The only light came from the arc of moonlight on the path. She stopped as the shapes of the tree trunk shifted around her. Images of her fallen family ricocheted across her vision. Her neck throbbed. The lycanthropy was taking over. The cool blessing of the woman's touch, her protection, was fading. A particularly heinous throb bolted from her shoulder to her ankle, and Genevieve's body seized. She crashed to the forest floor. Her wrist slammed into a root that protruded from the shimmering path. Only the day before, she and Mary Ellen had studied root structures. They'd lain on the ground, almost like she was now, and pressed their ears to the earth's supple surface. 
Close your eyes and listen. Send forth your sight to the unseen tree that grows beneath the earth. She could only catch the glimmer of a few roots nearby, and not the myriad Mary Ellen hoped she might discern. Mary Ellen had been fascinated by the tree's symmetry of structure. As above, so below, she had said. My mentor often said that to me when she and I first studied the truth of the trees, as we are doing now. Genevieve sat up, her body still shaking, and hugged her knees into herself. Her heart reached out for her friend and guardian, but she felt nothing in return. She never would again. Druids have their own place in the afterlife, she said to the dark vegetation around her. Astrali smiles at us when we arrive, and, if we so choose, she returns us to our plane to live again. That is how we grow wiser, given time. But what will you do without your people? The plants around her asked. You cannot become a druid alone. I am alone, she answered. Genevieve. A warm voice addressed her in Elvish. She jolted. The movement caused a fresh rush of pain in her shoulder, and she looked for who had spoken. The plant's voices had to have been figments of her imagination. She was not yet advanced enough to speak with them. But this new voice felt real. Is there someone there? There is, Druid daughter. Be not alarmed. Genevieve tensed and prepared to run. Please come out, she said. Her voice was small, broken. There was no chance of frightening them away if they meant her harm. The brush in front of her rippled, and a stunning silver direwolf with bronze eyes emerged from the undergrowth. The leader of the werewolves, the most powerful among them, could take on wolf form, with all her might, she pushed herself away. Wait, the elvish voice urged. Sweet child, I swear that you are safe. I have led you here, and I am here to aid you still. The lustrous path she had been following shrank from the distant turns of the forest and bled into the earth around her feet, radiating out in an incandescent circle of glittering moonlight. We haven't much time, the voice said. Will you trust me? We must get you to the falls. But my family... The wolf's great silver head bowed. There is nothing more we can do for your family, but we can save you. Did she send you? Genevieve stepped forward and held out her hand. The wolf moved a few paces toward her in return. Up close, a brindle of pearl and charcoal shimmered along the wolf's pale gray fur. Not exactly, though I know of whom you speak. Come, Genevieve. There is another revelation waiting for you deeper in the forest. She is most anxious to meet you. The wolf stood in front of her, his face level with hers. The golden glow of his eyes was like the pleasant smile of sunset on a calm midwinter sky. He looked nothing like the mangy, evil beast who had attacked her home. The great wolf lowered down so that she could climb onto his back. Who are you? The fur was warm and soft. She laid her head against the back of his neck, exhausted. Sariel, we have a long night ahead of us. Ophelia is waiting for you. The scale of the trees, from petal and leaf to trunk, swelled the closer they came to the center of the forest. At the end of the second day, Genevieve's transformation began. Sariel, is there a faster way? Her ribs ached. Each breath was a deliberate, painful labor. It would not be long now until the werewolf's poison overwhelmed who she had been before. 
There are no shortcuts to Ophelia's glade. The worried voice answered inside her mind. Sariel was the first creature she'd met who could speak telepathically. Would she be able to understand him when the curse took over? Genevieve cried out as she slipped on a large root that ran across the path. When she caught herself, the bones in her hand rippled back toward her, shifted, and returned. She screamed. It's starting. I can't prevent it. You must try. I have not Ophelia's magic. She cradled her hand against her chest and ran to catch up to Sariel's light jog. Rushing risked another fall, and the lycanthropy didn't need additional reasons to try and take over her body. Are you sure that she can help? He increased his speed again. Genevieve hugged her ribs and slid after him. She can. Ophelia is the only one in these woods who knows the old ways. Their race continued as darkness fell. The night took on a clarity she had never before experienced. The color drained from the world, save for the grayest blues and blacks of the forest, but the light all around her remained. Genevieve collapsed into a tree, torn between wonder and exhaustion. Can we press on then? Sariel asked. In the moonlight, his silver fur gleamed even brighter. Ah! A stash of pain up her spine pulled her head and ripped at her shoulders. A deep growl escaped her lips, and Genevieve crumpled back into herself. She sobbed through each gasp of air and clung to the rough bark. I can't do it. I can't, sorry, all. Genevieve fell to her knees. Tears carved hot streaks down the contours of her face. She couldn't become a monster, not after seeing what they could do. Listen to me, the dire wolf plodded closer. No, you cannot stay with me. Please, something in the forest will find me, and that will be the end. But what would a bite do to you? The copper eyes narrowed. I will leave you a trail. Follow my marks. We'll bring Ophelia to you. But Genevieve... Sariel's cold, moist nose kissed beneath her chin and forced her head up. You must continue on. I cannot bring her back to you in time otherwise. Look for the waterfall. In a flash of brilliant silver, Sariel split away into the forest, leaving Genevieve alone. A smaller spasm quaked up her spine and her stomach heaved. The bile burned her throat. Was this how the predators had seen her and her family in the darkness? Each tree stood outlined against the rest, solid in their multitude, but made of fragile branches. Had she been nothing but a gray body, silhouetted by the fires, unique only in her still-beating heart and lightly singed flesh rather than... She heaved again. Genevieve ran her hands down the rough wood of the oak that supported her. The poison found a balance with her blood. Survive, 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 her footfalls said over and over again. Owls passed narrowly overhead. A fox emerged from its den, and always the tree branches gently swayed as she searched the solid trunks for the violent slash Sario left across their torsos, urging her onward. In any other circumstance, neither of them would damage the trunks in this way. After she met Ophelia, she could ask that they return and repair their trail. Her imagination was playing tricks on her. Twice already in the black night, she thought she had heard a waterfall, and here was the low, steady thrum again. She wouldn't be as disappointed this time when one failed to materialize. Shades of blue darted across the purple-black of the nighttime sky as the sun exhaled her warmth across the horizon. The skin of her face prickled, 
itched as hair grew down the sides of her face. The fuzzy sideburns were heartbreaking enough, but the emotional pain morphed into something physical as her cheekbones started to shift forward, melding her face into something altogether more canine. Genevieve cried out but cut her lament short for fear it would come out a howl. The transformation was nearly complete. The air turned cooler, and soft beads of moisture fell against her skin. The first two phantom waterfalls hadn't been this convincing. Her feet were numb, but they continued to stumble on. Would Sariel and Ophelia be able to reach her in time? Would they find her crumpled body inside the vast forest? How lovely it would feel to crash into the pool of churning water at the base of the mystical waterfall, if only she could find it. At the edge of the woods near her conclave lay a small lake that was reserved for their secret initiation ceremonies. Mary Ellen had taken her there once in the weeks before the attacks. She had sensed Genevieve's growing exhaustion with the intensity of their training and her gnawing doubt that she would be able to officially join her people. She had tried to ignore the hollow sense that the instinct she needed wouldn't actually manifest, and she would remain an outsider forever. In the dying embers of what had befallen them, a superficial separation, not being chosen to be among the wielders of druidic magic, would have been better than the cruel fate forced upon her people. She had feared a less lonely path than the one now before her, but the tragedy had felt all-consuming at the time. Sariel spoke of Ophelia's old magic that might lift the curse if such a power existed. She had been too frightened to tell him that it wasn't clear that the druid's magic resided within her. The path curved around a dense cluster of trees. Genevieve loped around the corner and stopped short as the waterfall suddenly came into view. It stretched upward beyond the tree line. Magnificent. Surprised, she dug her swollen knuckles and their freshly grown claws into the white birch beside her. Mist rose up, sighing into the pool below and lifting to circle back. Her breath caught in her chest. A sacred space, indeed. The waterfall wasn't as broad as she'd imagined, but it fell from a great height. The plunging water gathered like a dangling scarf blowing in the wind. Her increased heart rate activated the lycanthropic poisons rushing through her bloodstream. Her teeth shifted. Genevieve suppressed a sharp cry as her canines pushed down from the top of her mouth toward her lower lip, and the lower canines rose up and outward. She clutched her hands to either side of her face, desperate to hold her remaining bone structure in place to prevent the complete transformation. Her moan morphed into a scream as her cheekbones snapped. She took a step forward, and the bones in her feet elongated. Her balance tipped precariously to the side as her heel became a distended ankle. Her weight shifted lower as the second foot did the same. Genevieve's back arched groundward and then curved away like a crescent moon as her spine lengthened. A few more steps, rapid, but she couldn't keep her balance on the hybrid legs. She stumbled, pitched forward. Genevieve snarled as she hit the ground. Watching from afar, like the moment the werewolf had bitten her, she felt herself slipping away from her body. She raised herself partway on her monstrous forearms. Wiry hair sprouted from fresh sinew and muscles. The shimmer of moonlight through the clouds, a small smile from the goddess Selene, showed her where in the sky to angle her short muzzle. The two sister moons gazed down on her and extended their hearts in song. She had to answer. The howl that had been building inside her erupted, both tragic and exultant. And then a second howl answered her. She gasped, tripped toward the water. They were coming. They had found her. Her tall, furry ears perked up. They were still some distance away, 
The fastest path across the glade to them was through the water. Genevieve's step crawled forward, more like a wounded bear than the graceful stride of the wolf, but her body answered her urgent instructions. The cool, clear water covered the fur on her hands, then her feet and newly grown ankles. She kept going. Would she be able to swim in this new form? Her shoulders were stiffer, the socket limited. She would have to paddle. Another howl rang out, closer. The water lapped near her shoulders, her hips. A crash sounded from across the glade. Sariel was near. Her front right paw moved forward and found nothing underneath. She pushed back against the water instead. Her second paw did the same. She dug her rear claws into the pebbles that lined the bottom of the freshwater lake and shoved off into the darkest center, beyond where she could stand. The water covered her back, splashed onto her face. Her eyes widened, the lids rounder. She had but a few moments left before her transformation was complete. A light burst through the forest. Genevieve's heavy head bobbed in and out of the water. The cold rushed into her short snout, but the warm green light found her all the same. The silver wolf, her guide through the forest, leapt through the foliage on the far side of the glade. On his back, a woman clothed in robes of moss with long, flowing russet hair stared straight toward her, somehow knowing precisely where she would be. The woman's eyes were white and shone against the gray-green bark of her skin. Still atop Sariel, she reached forth her hand and murmured an ancient incantation of their people. The water around Genevieve tugged at her fur, pulled her under. Only the faintest trickle of light penetrated the surface. And then the woman's voice grew sharp, echoed all around, rebuked the greedy pool. Genevieve's breath seized as the water pressed against her lungs, but then her form lifted. Bands of water encircled her, pulled her out, gentle fingers that lifted her transformed body. Her damp fur hung heavy, and beads of water fell in rivulets down her arms, legs, and paws. She trembled, floating a few inches above the water. The woman's hand remained outstretched toward her, white eyes rolled in the back of her head. The droplets gathered into long willow branches and carried her toward the shore. The powerful voice boomed to all reaches of the glade. She spoke to the natural world with authority, issuing commands. Genevieve's eyebrows tingled, initiating the final part of her transformation. Would her eyes turn into deep black pools as theirs had been? The air felt like dense moss beneath her toe pads. Water branches held her tight. And then a second voice, the one she had been waiting for, in musical, accented elvish, called out a single word. Run. Woohoo! So exciting! Thank you for joining me for today's adventure through Buried Heroes and the World of Azuria. If you'd like to find out more about me or my fiction, you can find me at bethballbooks.com. You can also find my books worldwide at your favorite bookstore or ask your local librarian to add them to the library catalog. To stay up to date with the world of Azuria and be the first to know about upcoming fiction projects, visit bethballbooks.com join. I would love for you to be a part of my reading community, The Story Enclave, and as a special thanks to you for a limited time, you'll receive a free ebook copy of Aurora when you sign up. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at bethballauthor or on Twitter at groveguardian, or you can email me beth at bethballbooks.com. Today's episode is sponsored by Amber Queen, book three in the Age of Azuria series. Amber Queen picks up our hero's stories after the events of Hedvarian Heist, book two. You can pre-order your copy of Amber Queen at bethballbooks.com shop or at your favorite bookseller. 
If you enjoyed our time together today and would like to hear more stories set in Azuria, you can support the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash groveguardianpress. Look for the Fae and Damon Tears. We return to Buried Heroes next Tuesday, August 3rd for Chapter 13, where we return to the Vagerville Wood, and Elliot and Marcone take their first strides out into the wider world of Azuria. The theme song for this podcast was created by Garrett Rose of The Bardic Inspiration, who you can find on Instagram or Patreon at The Bardic Inspiration. Happy travels, and I hope that we'll be adventuring together again soon.